Welcome to a Catalyst for Change podcast, where we are a catalyst to inspire compassion among people, promote collaboration with leaders, and build capacity for programming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catalyst for Change show. We are so excited that you have chosen to be a part of today's show, and I am even more excited to introduce you to our guest. Uh, he has been such a just person in our journey at Support After Abortion, such a, a spirit of um, a warrior with us as he's helped us launch our virtual conferences, help us guide uh, just the the virtual side of everything we've been able to do. And so I'm going to welcome Matt Engel to our show. Thank you so much for being with me today. You bet, Lisa. This is a treat. Yes, but we're not here to talk about virtual conferences today, Matt, although you were such a gift in helping us get started and consulting with us. And I've heard nothing but great things about what we've been able to bring to the world through those conferences. You're here to really share with us uh, a resource for leaders that you and your wife Erin created. Um, so I'm really excited for those abortion healing leaders and those that are leading maybe a pregnancy care center or other healing ministries to be able to hear what you have to say. Um, but before we get started, can you introduce yourself and, and uh, share a little bit about you personally? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Matt Engel, I'm a husband, father. Um, beautiful wife, Erin. We've got a, a ministry that is called Metanoia Catholic. It's a Catholic coaching company. And uh, I've got a daughter. Her name is Abela. She's two. We just potty trained this weekend, which is going pretty well. Keep us in your prayers. Uh, but in short, uh, and then I also have a virtual Catholic conference that we started at the beginning of COVID. And uh, when a lot of the uh, different live events were getting shut down. Uh, and so it was a great resource. We've had a number of conferences, just had a Bible conference this past weekend. Um, and uh, continue to get tons and tons of people from all over the world. There's just a hunger, a hunger for truth right now, especially where there seems to be such an absence for truth at the moment. And there's something so liberating about uh, being able to receive that truth and something so ennobling about being able to share it. Um, with Metanoia Catholic, um, just a quick backstory with that. Aaron and I, we struggled getting pregnant. When we finally did get pregnant, um, we, uh, and had our, our daughter, we kind of settled into this, I don't know, like, our, I'd say like a normal, <laughs> really very normal life. We used to be very active in our church. We said, okay, Lord, you're calling us to an extraordinary fertility. Let's see what you have, to, uh, what you want to do with us. And we just made ourselves very available when we had our daughter. And this is like, there's an element of understanding and prudence that comes with this. We kind of, our life got a little smaller, but we weren't really growing at this point. We were, um, kind of Netflixing our way through life. It was very much a groundhog day. There was, there was no intentional growth that was going on. And we found ourselves getting into little petty arguments and, you know, our prayer life was ho-hum at best. And uh, when we were visiting our parents down in Florida, we in, ended up getting in touch with some friends that Aaron knew from college and they were life coaches. And I had always frowned and kind of scowled a little bit at life coaching because it just seemed like such a silly thing, right? Uh, but here I was, I sat down with this couple and uh, they shared just their experience of transformation going through a, a life coaching program. And I could just look at their life and see so many things that I desired, just the passion, the vivaciousness, they were just very much alive. And they were very much alive in their faith as well. And it was so opposite of where I felt at that moment. And so Aaron and I signed right up and we started coaching under, you know, getting coached underneath these people. 
And we, as we started to go through it, we started it, it was a secular program, but we started to see a lot of the, uh, of the benefits of this secular program, how it was impacting our marriage or as, as parents, our prayer life, all these good things, like a lot of natural virtue was developing in this. And there was a, a great freedom and excitement that came with exercising that dream muscle, that atrophy dream muscle that we had and really entering into the writer's room with God and discerning his will and then actively moving forward and pursuing and living out thy kingdom come in a very real, deliberate way, intentional way. And if there's one thing that we could say that the word that was different before and after with before coaching and after coaching, it was intentional, right? Our life became very intentional. Um, but we also came to really understand how important it was to cultivate a uh, intentional interior life. And when I talk interior life, I mean, you might be thinking just very abstract, but really it's like, what are you thinking? What are your emotions? Are you in touch with those? Are you aware of those things that are floating around in your head? We've got close to 60, 70,000 thoughts a day that are passing through our head. And Second Corinthians 10.5 says to take every thought captive. Well, that's a lot of thoughts to take captive. Uh, but the more we started to just on a regular basis, started to do this, reflect on the thoughts that we were thinking and how we were showing up, we just saw such a poverty uh, in the church, but at large, where people just, they kind of feel victim to their thoughts. They're just operating on a default autopilot a lot of the time. And the freedom that they could experience if they only knew that they had uh, complete 100% authority over what they think. And that really has this massive impact on how they show up in their relationships, in their prayer life, and it sounds so simple, but it is. And at the same time, it's challenging, right? Because you're really going against the grain. Um, but when I started to see the convergence of neuroscience and theology and scripture and positive psychology all coming together into this beautiful uh, revelation of truth and quantum physics even coming together in this beautiful revelation of truth, uh, it started to just, we, we just knew that we wanted to share this with other people. And we knew that we really wanted to do it in our Catholic faith, because there's a lot of things that we're finding in the, in the self-development uh, world that were quite contrary to our faith. They're leading more to a new age, perhaps even narcissistic, narcissistic in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and we just realized how important it was to bring God back into the centrality of that. And when we looked around, we didn't find a program out there. We decided to create one ourselves. And that's what the Lord was calling us to do. And so that's where we get Metanoia Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. and we ended up developing a program, specifically a journal, uh, that is a daily exercise, seven daily exercise, in fact, to really going in and actively doing that second Corinthians 10, five, taking those thoughts captive. Uh, it's Romans 12, two being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's, um, it's John, I'm going to get this wrong. Uh, it's, it's, there's a passage in John, <laughs> uh, where he says, I will send you the advocate and he will teach you everything you need to know and remind you of everything that I said. So it's very practical exercises of just moving a lot of those, those, those corrupt counselors that we make agreements with and accept into our lives, clearing them from the table so that we're only turning to our good counselors. Uh, and they are the ones that are helping us to put on the mind of Christ and it transforms your life. There's such freedom that comes with it. Uh, and there's such purpose that comes with it too. 
Wow. And so I like to always say this, like there's a passion connected to your purpose here is that you have had a tremendous life change through this coaching experience and you've created purpose now as you're navigating and helping others. It's such a gift. It's a gift to our faith. It's a gift to leaders. It's a gift to marriage, everyone. Yeah. I mean, like just Lisa, if you would have told me two years ago that, you know, I would start two companies, one of them touching 100, 150,000 plus people across the world with the gospel. Um, you know, and certainly not all me, I got my partners and a lot of people that have supported that, uh, or that I'd be publishing a book, publishing a journal and, and coaching people one-on-one, -on -one. I would have been like, there's nothing, if I look to the circumstances of my life, there's no, no evidence that I can find to really support that. But that's part of the problem. We also often look to the past to define how we're gonna go forward in our future or the present to what's possible in the future. And that's not walking by faith, right? Wow. Faith the so size good. of a mustard seed though. Big fruits, big fruits and fruits that will last will come forth from. That's so good. And so maybe some of our listeners right now are going, well, he's Catholic. I'm not Catholic. His message is going to be Catholic. His tools are going to be Catholic. And I want all of our listeners to know that that is absolutely not the case. Uh, this is a very ecumenical tool. Um, we've been, I've been blessed by it over the last week that I've received your, your journal. And that's why we're here today, because I've personally experienced it and really believe that this is a tool that can change people's lives. But not only that, Matt, um, the philosophy that you have that leads this journal is so, you said it, intentional. So can you talk to our listeners about what it is that this tool allows for? Um, there's not, like you said earlier, when we were off of the recording, there's a lot of secular material out there that will create more of a, a in-depth thought journey, but there's mm -hmm. something very special about this. And, and I'd love for our viewers to, to hear it from you. Sure, sure. Uh, some of it is is being intentional with the story that you desire to write. Some of it is is uh, um, growing first in an awareness of what's going on interiorly, and uh, that's always step one is awareness. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, uh, we um, we think that uh, the reason we're not getting the results that we want in our life is because of our circumstances. And we look to our circumstances and we blame our circumstances for us not um, getting the weight loss goal or the um, having the impact that we want or getting the raise that we want or insert whatever the goal is. But then you look to people in very similar circumstances or worse circumstances and they're being successful. What, well, what's the difference? What's the difference? And a lot of it has to do with what they choose, what they choose. We've got this amazing thing that we have as humans. And to my knowledge, we're the only beings on the planet that have it. And it's called free will. And that free will gives us the ability to choose, choose the story ultimately that we want to assign. See, well, I, look to, uh, I look to Viktor Frankl, and perhaps some of you have read his book, and he certainly is not a Christian man. He was an Austrian Jew uh, who survived four years in the concentration camps and emerged from that with every opportunity to be bitter. He lost his wife, uh, he lost his family, he lost friends, he was nearly killed a number of times. And yet he emerged with such a hope-filled message. And this message was that like, regardless of those circumstances, we always get to choose, we always get to choose. We see this in the movie Shawshank Redemption right? Mm -hmm. And there's that one scene where Andy's been in the hole for, for weeks after he's just played this music for everybody. And it's a powerful scene where all these men are captivated in this prison. And he's talking to his friends and 
uh, his friends, he, he said, there's something that, that they can't take from you. There's something that they can't touch. There's this hope. There's always this ability to choose to have a hopeful outlook. And we see people that, that uh, they have the ability to choose that and they end up choosing something different. Well, there's a number of different reasons for it. Certainly there's a spiritual battle that's taking place, but I think for a lot of people, they just don't understand that they do have the freedom to be able to choose. Um, and once you can teach people that they do have the freedom to choose and they do have this authority, um, it moves from, from a place of living as the victim to a place of starting to take more responsibility in an area where they have the freedom to take responsibility. And then they experience the benefits of exercising that freedom and they can kind of move from that victim place to the hero's place. And you probably heard the, the hero's journey, right? That's part of this. But if you look at both the hero and the villain, um, they typically all start out in the stories as victims, right? What's the difference? The victim, the villain is the victim that always says it's somebody else's fault and then he makes everybody else pay. The hero is the victim that says, yes, this happened to me, but I get to choose how I'm going to respond going forward. And they end up, you know, the, filling people with hope, right? You look at the Bruce Waynes uh, and the response to the trauma versus the Jokers. <laughs> yeah, that movie that came out, Joker, and how he responded to the trauma, right? We always have a choice um, and it stems back first in the beginning. What are the thoughts that we are choosing? That is where the battleground is. Where are we, what are we thinking? Because your emotions are going to stem from that. Your habits are going to stem from that. Um, and a lot of the time we fall into the trap of thinking, well, if I want to change my results, I just change my behaviors. But we never change the, go to the root of the thoughts and of the emotions. And we end up just kind of trying to white knuckle our way to change and it never really lasts. And perhaps people can identify with this. But what this journal does, it's about getting down to the thoughts, even the thoughts that are taking place on the subconscious level, and then identifying what are the trajectory of these thoughts that I have chosen. They're there. I've chosen them. And whether conscious or subconscious, they are still affecting my life the same way that um, you sow seeds of, of weeds. They're going to grow weeds, right? Whether you're deliberate about it or not. Um, but it's identifying those weeds among the wheat, so to speak, so that we can choose to uproot those things. Um, now, in our journal, we're very deliberate about bringing the Holy Spirit and the power of God into that. Um, and that's how you achieve beatitude, but you can 100% achieve better by just growing first in an awareness of what are the thoughts that you're thinking and how are they affecting the way that you show up. Yeah, and, and if anybody listening is like Matt and I, we're real people with real life experiences, with real insecurities, and like you said, real roots. And so there's not a day that goes by that I don't wake up with some kind of ugly negative self-talk, Matt. I mean, oh, that picture of you was terrible, or you did a terrible job parenting your son yesterday. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so everybody no matter how much we want to disassociate from those thoughts or how perfect we want to present to the world, we have a, a lot of us have a very terrible interior life, like you said, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have free will. And like you said, it's important that we hold those thoughts captive and I can't do it by myself, Matt. And I, prayer often, uh, I need, is, is, is wonderful for me, but there's something tangible about this journal, seeing it in writing, being able to really 
pray through it and hear through through hear God through it that gives me a, a space in my heart and my my mind that I'm I do have the tools through God to be able to be a victor over that in a way that then provides hope and healing to others. So um, why, Matt, is it absolutely vital as leaders in the pro-life movement, as leaders in the abortion healing industry, as leaders that are in healing ministry altogether, leaders of our homes, leaders of put fill in the blank, why is this journal like just the most valuable thing we can do for ourselves first thing in the morning or whenever we can make time for it? Freedom. It helps you to really uh, find a place of freedom. Um, give an example. All right. So this happened right before we got on. All right. This is a little, a little, a little uh, uh, slip up of mine. So, um, so we do something where at the beginning on Sundays, we really map out what we're going to be doing for the week. Cause we both work. We've got our two-year-old daughter. My mom can help out, but we want to be respectful there. And, and so Aaron was like, I'm going to take Avila for the morning. Right. And so I was like planning on doing some work. And at one point I went in and I said, you know, what? I'm going to make Abel some breakfast. So I bring her out into the, into the kitchen, make her some breakfast. Aaron's just kind of, she's cleaning up after a workout and doing her hair. And then when we were done with breakfast, my mom takes Abel out of the chair and Abel immediately runs outside by the pool. All right. And so my grandmother's here. She's 97 years old. She's got a nurse. Her nurse runs outside. And I'm thinking now this thought pops in my head. I don't need you to take care of my daughter. That's my responsibility. I can do that. It's like, I appreciate it, but like, I kind of felt bad that she felt like, or even a little bit judged in that moment. Like he's not taking care of his daughter. Mm -hmm. So I go outside to bring my stuff outside and she's, Avila's still around the pool, but I'm watching her. And then my mom comes out and says, are you okay with this? Now, the thought that I have that pops into my head is my mom doesn't think I'm being a very good parent right now. Right. That was kind of the subconscious one. I can I can reflect back and capture that one at this point. Now, all she said was, are you are you OK with this? Now, I could have just said, yes, I am OK, because I was OK with it. But instead, I chose the thought my mom doesn't really think that I'm being a very good parent right now. And so she said, OK, I'm going to put some swimmies on her. I said, OK, we'll put some swimmies on her. But I still had this residual feeling because as soon as I thought that thought, there was this ugh, kind of a guilt that was there. All right. So Abel has now got her swimmies on. She's running around outside and everybody's outside at this point, sitting around the pool and the lunai, but Erin is still inside doing her hair. All right. So Abel starts running inside and outside, inside and outside, two and a half years old. And my mom says to me, did she just go back inside? That's all she said to me. Again, I thought, wow, you know, I'm putting this on this burden on my mom. Now I got to go. And then the thought popped in my head, where is Erin? Where's she at? She said she was going to be in here. She said she was going to be helping me. She's not. She's being selfish right now. These were the thoughts that started going into my head. And as I started to think these thoughts, I started to have this emotion come up of entitlement. I was starting to feel, I was feeling angered, but I was also feeling entitled to my anger at that point. And so what happened was I marched over into the, into the room where Aaron was. And the first thing I said, the action that sprung forth from, forth from this emotion of entitlement was, where are you at? You said you were going to be doing this accusation. First thing I did was I accused my wife. And Aaron was just like, what's going on here? I, I told you I could take her. You, you took, and, and it, a fight ensued. Not a small fight. It was more of a tussle. And she 
being as just as, as graceful as she was, she like didn't get angry, but she was just like, is this really what's going on? And she kind of started challenging the story. And at that point, the emotion I started to feel was defensiveness. See, I didn't want to be wrong. I felt really good in that self-righteous place. Um, but now she was challenging my story and she was asking for evidence. She's like, can you show me the evidence? And as I was backpedaling, I felt this smile kind of come across my face. Um, and it was like, oh man, she's got me. And so defensiveness was going in there. And I finally, I said, all right, I'm the one I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. And, and that was it, you know, and I went off into my corner. Mm-hmm. Where did this all come from? Now we resolved it folks. <laughs> we resolved it. She came in and she said, Hey, are we okay? And I said, Hey, this is what happened. And I kind of like went through the exercise, what I just shared with you and, you know, said, waited to cool off a little bit. It took some time to just cool off. I mean, emotions, you can change your thought, but the emotion doesn't immediately go away. It's literally a chemical response in your body. It's still, the residual is still there. It's literally a thought that's been made incarnate. And this is where the beauty of the neuroscience starts to come in and the molecular, like it changes the way that our genes even express themselves. Words become flesh. It literally changes the way that we show up. So now though, having this skill of being curious. And that's what this is teaching. It's a daily exercises of being curious about what you're feeling and what you're thinking. I can go through what I just was able to share with you and I can make it so that I can choose my, the way that I think, therefore I can choose the way that I feel and I can choose the way that I show up to a conversation with my wife and she doesn't have to change at all. I have so much power. I have so much freedom at that point um, to real and, and so much the, the, like the opportunity to be just responsible. This was how it showed up in my family, but I guarantee these kind of things, these dynamics are showing up in your workplace. Uh, they're showing up in your clinics. They're showing up in your families, wherever you are. And when you can really start to identify where these things are showing up, you can capture them so much quicker because if I didn't capture it and my wife wasn't as, as uh, forgiving and graceful as she was, and it just escalated, well, then she leaves and goes away. And then I continue to just spin in that self-righteousness. And now I start telling myself the story of she always does this. She's never there. I'm all by myself. I'll show her. And all of this stuff, oh, it's just so toxic. And if we look at the bare bones circumstances, the circumstances were, I took my wife, my daughter outside, I fed her. She went out by the pool. I came inside. I said words to my wife. Like that was it. The circumstances are kind of boring, but the stories that we can spin, they're very dramatic and they can really have a toxic effect on our environment if they're not taken captive. Yeah. And, and you're so wise. And so for those listening who are like, man, I want to get to where he is. It takes time and it takes Mm -hmm. just a patience with ourselves and grace and love because uh, Matt, I like to tell people that usually a good place to start with this is if you're ignited, if like you said, your emotions are way over the top from what you cognitively know to be like, not accurate, like you get so upset because your mom says something. If we can teach ourselves to reflect in that moment and go, I don't know that that was like the right or maybe right's the wrong word, but I don't think that's the like 
appropriate response? Why did I get a reaction really? Why did I get like this? If we can start asking ourselves that question, why? And then begin to reflect, it's the beginning of this amazing journey that you just were able to, what you solved that problem in an hour where so many of us are living with 40 years of this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the energy, I'm telling you what, the energy that it takes to suppress that emotion, we, we liken it to holding a beach ball under the water, right? It's exhausting. And eventually it, it, it always pops up at that point. But the more you can actually do these exercises, you will, like one of the effects is you will find that you actually have more energy. Like there is so much, so much energy that goes into holding on to these things and living in stress, like stress emotions, li- living in the, the fight or flight response which literally actually has a negative impact on your, your ability to analyze. Like when we go fight or flight, the forebrain actually, the, 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 uh, the blood vessels will constrict and they expand more towards our, our, our rear brain, right? And that's the more animalistic. This is really where we get a lot of our, our analytical thinking. So stress actually makes you dumber, literally. You lose the ability to go through these exercises. And so sometimes, before we can go in, like I need to, part of my, of the healing that I just went through and I shared with you is I needed to step away and I needed to breathe a little bit and just pause and kind of experience that emotion a little bit too, um, which is also something that we teach is, is just the technique of processing emotions. Because when we don't uh, process the emotions, what we end up doing a lot of the time is we end up doing things to avoid those emotions. We call this buffering. And they're typically practices that aren't really helpful, right? We eat, we, uh, we indulge in, in Netflixing or social media. We do stuff to distract us. Um, but there's something that those emotions really have to teach us. And there's often a poverty that's there. And Metanoia Catholic, we always want to identify that poverty because we want to invite Jesus and his abundance into that area. Um, and that's really where the transformation takes place. That's so awesome. And and you talk about energy. And when we talk about people that give of themselves all day long, and this is an industry that that happens as healers, as people that are walking alongside every others, you know, everyone else, it seems there's so much energy that we give away, um, or that we exude that if you're also internally, let's say, use that same idea, giving away energy because of your own pain, there's really nothing to give. And so there is an extra layer of exhaustion. I always say this, Matt, when I'm training other social workers or clinicians is that compassion fatigue is real, but a lot of times compassion fatigue, the root is that we're not internally taking care of us and what we've got. So when we show up, everything around us is triggering and and creating further exhaustion. So um, the motivation then is that you're not giving from a full um, cup if you're not taking care of yourself and, and this tool is a great way to do that along with your coaching, right? Right. Your, your yes, your yes doesn't mean yes. And your no doesn't mean no. When we're giving from a place of depletion, we don't have the ability to actually give a full yes. And so to the extent that we're not saying giving a full yes, we're lying and good fruits will never come from lies. And I think I see this a lot of the time and it comes with the best of intentions, especially when people are working in, you know, work like, like the work that uh, you're doing here. Um, they want to be able to um, 
give to somebody, but the reality of it is like, you can't give what you don't have. And when you try to do it, um, you can often cause more harm than good with that. And you end up falling into this sin of ungodly self-reliance or uh, you get a savior complex or um, it's now you actually start using the people that you're serving because what you're really chasing is a good feeling yourself. The affirmation that comes with, I've helped this person. All right. And, and, um, but ultimately it's, it's just, it's just not honest. Uh, if we follow the trajectory of that thought, it, it leads to bad, bad fruits. Ultimately it leads to burnout. Uh, it leads to, um, uh, you may be showing up at work really nice, but your family life is feeling the brunt of it. I've seen that a lot of the times, a lot of times. Um, you see it a lot of time with pastors, right? See tons of pastors. There's a whole ministry out there for pastors that are experiencing burnout um, or have fallen into some sort of, you know, even, even sometimes extramarital affairs um, yeah. in some extreme cases, because there's just, they have not, they have not allowed themselves to be ministered to. Mm, wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, the last point that I really feel is important for leaders to hear is that it is absolutely important that we don't think healing is a one and done or that we don't think personal growth is a one and done. Can you say more about that, Matt? Like, why is this a daily journal that we could do for the rest of our lives? Uh, Satan doesn't sleep. That's kind of the, my first response to it. So we, we, I, I fall back on, on, uh, on, uh, what was it? What was the book? Um, Wild at Heart, author, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's an incredible guy. Eldridge, he, such Eldridge, a good John book. Eldridge, yes. thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's got this book, Wake the Dead, and it's all about we're born into a world at war, and that's the reality of it. Um, so we don't have an, we don't have time to be complacent because there's a spiritual battle that's going on constantly, and um, the the devil is constantly trying to cause us to forget, right? And this is causing us to remember, right? And that's where I, I think of I think of uh, um, I think of Simba and the Lion King, right? Where um, where where he goes and he goes off and lives this Hakuna Matata life, right? And when he confronts his father in the clouds, he says, "Simba, you've forgotten me. You've forgotten who you are." And it's very easy in the spiritual war to forget who we are, forget who our father is. And uh, you have to be very intentional about it, very intentional about it. If you don't have uh, an intentional plan, you will forget, you will forget mm. because you're constantly being bombarded by alternative narratives. And uh, the thoughts, they come so fast, like I said, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, they're passing through. And if there's no filter, uh, if you're not looking at those things, you will let uh, an enemy into your brain party at some point, and they will end up puking on your couch and, and all the crazy stuff that, that you don't want. Uh, and it will affect the way that you show up in your life. Uh, and it's happening on a daily basis. And so we constantly have thoughts to capture, but the thoughts that I've realized over time, uh, there are some that I start to build up almost, uh, almost an inoculation to it, almost like the, the antibodies for it. We call these things a lot of time in our, our practice thought viruses, right? And the way that you build up antibodies is, is uh, you have memory in your white blood cells in your body so that when it, rec it recognizes a certain virus shows up, it triggers the release of those particular antibodies to go and destroy that, okay? Destroy that virus. So the more you can, this is, this is what we're doing, but like there's certain thoughts that show up in my head a lot of the time that 
because I've gone through this so often, as soon as they spring up, I immediately unleash antibodies on those things. And I just renounce them in the name of Jesus. I rebuke those things. Uh, and I don't give them an opportunity. I don't give them one further um, for entertainment uh, because I know where they lead. I know that they're truly destructive. Even if they look like they're, they're nice, I know where they lead and I know that they're destructive. And the more we can build up those antibodies, which comes through this journal, you can start to identify those enemy thoughts when they pop into your head, you renounce them immediately and you really start to experience freedom in those areas. And over time, you really build up a good inoculation to your, to yourself for yourself. So good. It's so good, Matt. You know, I, I want everybody to hear that I endorse this journal. I have been doing it for a week. I endorse journaling in general, but this is the most intentional journal that I've ever experienced. I was sharing with Matt earlier that as part of the journaling process, it, it asks you to take 10 things captive that you're grateful for. And the first couple of days, it was easy. But after like the fourth day, I'm like, oh my gosh, where's the rest of my gratuity? I could only come up with five things or seven things. And it just, it is, is growing me and it is helping me be available to the things that God's calling me to be. And so it is absolutely essential leaders. Um, anybody that's helping anybody, if you, families, parents, whomever is listening, that we are giving to ourselves in the way that we're giving to others. And this journal is an amazing opportunity. You know, um, Matt, I might, I, I, because it's the first of the year and there's so many things that everybody's trying to do um help people understand why this isn't one extra thing like starting a diet or one extra thing like you know what why is this different than um maybe these things that people are like throwing 10 things in the in the bowl trying to mix it together for a better you what's different about this journal that's a great question uh i'd say it's different because it can be it the, whatever your goals are, whatever the things you want to accomplish, this is going to give you the path. Like it's an overlay that you can, it's a formula that you can use that you can apply to any particular goal. In fact, exercise three is, is contemplating your goals with God. It's actually being very deliberate with what we want to accomplish. Well, that first starts with like, okay, what are, you know, what are the things that somebody has to do to accomplish that goal? All right. That's usually where people stop, right? They just come up with the, you know, the, 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 behaviors they need to change and then they start white knuckling their way to behavior change and then it fails and they have a bad day or you know something like that and they just fall back into old habits literally they are they're old habits but if we know if we understand the design god's design that in an ordered sense what we do and how we behave is meant to really come from an emotional state there's an animation of a word that's becoming flesh in us literally through the release of these chemicals in our body that start to change the way that our cells express themselves or that our, our, uh, our different hormones are released into our body that start to send us into action and naturally moves us in a, into some sort of behavior. And that those things are subject to a thought that we can willingly choose. Well, when we can start to recognize that, we, we go really to the source of the virtue, the source of the virtue that we're seeking to, seeking to uh, achieve. And we can start to live from that Romans 12 to be transformed, transformed, not by the changing of your behavior, but by the renewing of your mind at this point. And we allow that transformation to be a very incarnational experience, starting first from like this, this thought. And then it manifests in a very ordered sense in the same way that 
uh, in, a, in a very natural way that's, that doesn't really take a ton of willpower at that point beyond just selecting the thought. It's much like selecting the seed that you're going to plant in the soil. You plant the soil, you water it. There's a whole lot of mysterious things that are coming before that, that seed actually manifests into a plant, right? And you see the effects of it. Now, the farmer's not going in there and controlling the unveiling and the growing of every seed and its roots that are taking place. That's all God's design. And so all we're saying here is we're being intentional about now participating in God's design. And it's not reaching into the soil and pulling out the plant that we want or the fruit that we want, but rather it's receiving the seed, right? God's very own mind through the grace of God and planting it deliberately and cultivating it and allowing it to take root and grow and expand over time. Uh, and there's something that's just so much easier about this. It's so much easier than white knuckling. I've done white knuckling. I'm exhausted by it. It wasn't getting me anywhere. Uh, the only thing that it was really getting was a lot of shame, mm -hmm. a lot of shame, a lot of beating myself up and, and eventually to the point where I just stopped showing up. Wow. And there's a lot of people that are, especially in this movement that are doing this. Uh, and I don't experience God's abundance that way. Rather, I experience God's scarcity. Scarcity mindset, I would say, will destroy your organization. Uh, there's nothing more cancerous than the scarcity mindset right now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Support After Abortion endorses this as a leadership tool as well, as a self-development tool, as a way to make sure that you are living out your fullest purpose every day um, connected to God. And so we're going to be offering this, uh, the link at our on our e-store so that you can get your very own copy. Matt, how might people reach out if they're interested in your coaching or learning more about your ministry? Sure. So you can, in fact, you can even go and get the journal for free. We got a free option for it, a free download. If you go to metanoiacatholic.com, M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A catholic.com, and you click the get started button, they're all over the place. Click that get started button and you'll have an option where it just pop up and get the journal for free. In fact, we have a seven day little mini course where over the course of seven days, we have some instructional videos that come out on each of the seven exercises that we do in the journal. And, uh, really allows you to hit the ground running. Uh, we are going to be expanding uh, the Metanoia Catholic, start offering what we call the Metanoia Catholic Academy, where this is really going to be for people who are journalists, just as we're looking to launch this in April of 2021. And this is going to be a community for people that are taking up the journal. And they'll have things like group coaching available, uh, monthly workshops uh, that rely on this as our textbook and it helps you to get really a lot of distance out of this more so than something that you just do and it gives you community as well which is really helpful uh, for that we're training other um, coaches as well so this is something you really want to really introduce it well you might want to take a look at our purgative way uh, course that we have which is a coach a course for coaches teaching people how to coach with the journal and that's something else uh, that we, uh, we'd be able to offer because we know that it's the one-on-one. -on -one. It's not just somebody picking this up. Sometimes people can pick this up like you, Lisa, and, they, and they've, they've got an experience journaling and they can get some immediate benefits. Sometimes people need to be discipled a little bit more. Well, there's a way and we want to show you the way. Absolutely. Well, Matt, I am so thrilled. I'm so grateful that God would cross our paths and that we would be blessed by all that you are bringing to the world through healing and your, your ministry. And so um, one more time, what is the, the website that people can visit if they want to learn more? It is metanoiacatholic.com. You click the get started button when you're there. Yeah. Spell and that you for them. Learn, yeah. M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A catholic.com. 
And we also have the Catholic Coaching Podcast where you can listen to that. It's where my, my wife and I were constantly giving tips on the journal there. Um, but uh, that's another thing. You can find that on iTunes, Spotify, the Catholic Coaching Podcast. Awesome. And you guys are on Facebook too, right? On social media? We are. We are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much. And for our listeners, thank you so much for joining our Catalyst for Change show today. We are so grateful. Support After Abortion hosts this show to help end the demand for abortion by helping heal those who have been impacted. And we know it starts with our leaders. And so what an amazing tool that this journal is for you as a leader that's helping others heal. Invest in yourself. Visit all of the resources you've heard today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know has been impacted by abortion, you are not alone. Contact us today at supportafterabortion.com. If you were inspired by today's message, we welcome you to join the conversation by following us on Facebook or Instagram.